Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 24th of October, and this is Govind Raj Athiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. And here's wishing you a very happy Dasera. Our top stories and themes for the day: Indian markets in steep fall as Middle East tensions stay, U.S. Treasury rates rise, and oil holds at around $92 a barrel. Regional consumer brands are edging out entrenched multinationals once again. And Walt Disney gets set to pack its bags and leave India with Reliance likely to buy assets. Smartphone sales are falling in India. Used phone sales rise. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. The markets are still volatile. We went into trade and markets on Monday with a mix of fear and volatility. The words we used in the headline as well. Unfortunately, that prediction came true. Oil is now a whisker below $92 a barrel, up 8% since the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel. But stock markets have taken a bigger tumble. Indian markets dropped for the fourth consecutive day. The BSE Sensex tumbled a sharp 826 points to end at 64,572 and a three-month low, while the Nifty 50 closed at 19,282, down 261 points, its worst session in more than seven months. The good news, if any, is that foreign portfolio investors have turned net buyers at least on Monday. So global markets are still nervously poised, waiting to see if Israel invades Gaza and what that would lead us to, as the move is very likely to draw in more countries into the war. Most present efforts appear to be focused on ensuring aid reaches the civilian population in Gaza, and thus postponing what seems at this point the inevitable. But that is not the only reason equity markets, or for that matter, other markets, are under pressure. The big number everyone is watching is the yield on 10-year U.S. Treasuries or government bonds. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note has now hit 5% for the first time in 16 years. The 10-year yield rose to a within a few thousandths of a percentage point of 5% last week, following an unexpectedly strong retail sales report and comments from Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. The Wall Street Journal reported. The 10-year yield reached a high of 5.021% according to TradeWeb, up from about 3.8% at the start of the year. Yields which rise when bond prices fall have climbed since the start of 2022 when investors began worrying in earnest that the Federal Reserve may raise interest rates to fight inflation, said the Wall Street Journal, adding that in recent weeks the sell-off has only grown more intense. Still, 10-year treasuries above 5% are a buy for Morgan Stanley Investment Management which seized yields overshooting the firm's fair value above that level according to Bloomberg. Back home the Indian rupee is still weak ending 7 paise lower against the US dollar on Monday pulled by sharp losses in equities and of course that surge in US bond yields. So the rupee ended at about 83.19 a dollar against Friday's close of 83.12. The all-time low was 83.29 last month. US Treasury yields are putting currencies across the region under pressure. This is to obviously give you a context. The Indonesian rupee is also fighting for cover despite an interest rate hike there. The Indonesian currency has been the worst performer amongst Asian peers in October, slumping 3.1%. The Malaysian ringgit, as we mentioned yesterday, has fallen to its lowest level since the 97 Asian financial crisis. The ringgit is the worst performer in Asia in 2023 after the yen having dropped by more than 8% against the greenback. according to the straits times 
Back to oil for a moment. Oil major Chevron said it would buy Hess in an all-stock deal worth $53 billion, the second major oil tie-up this month following ExxonMobil's $60 billion to buy Pioneer Natural Resources, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, the point of this is that oil companies are clearly betting on a sustained appetite for oil for some time, at least decades, according to the Wall Street Journal. From oil to entertainment, Disney starts to pack its bags to leave India. After Viacom, which gently exited India, it is now a minority stakeholder in its joint venture with Reliance. It's now the turn of Disney, who has been looking to exit its substantial India business. The buyer, no surprises, is likely to be Reliance Industries, who could, in a stock and cash deal, buy into Walt Disney's India operations, according to Bloomberg. Disney may sell a controlling stake in the Disney star business, which it values at around $10 billion, as opposed to small transactions weighed earlier, according to Bloomberg, adding that Reliance views the assets at between $7 to $8 billion. Disney's intent to sell its India assets has been known for some time, and negotiations with various potential partners and investors have also been on for a while. The intent to sell followed a statement by Disney chairman Bob Iger to this effect a few months ago. So the acquisition could be announced as early as next month with some of Reliance's media units being merged into Disney Star, sources told Bloomberg. Acquiring Disney, and there's of course much more analysis on this to come in coming days, will give Reliance and Geo a massive hold over the lucrative cricket viewership rights in both television, which is still very strong, and streaming across all the major franchises, including of course the India Premier League for which Reliance owns the digital rights, but Disney the television rights as of now. American companies like Disney and Viacom in entertainment and General Motors and Ford in automotive are or have exited India mostly because of pressures back home and the urge to consolidate elsewhere. General Motors and Ford, of course, threw in the towel a few years ago. But Disney, interestingly, is investing heavily in its amusement and theme park business, among others, but back home. So that, of course, leaves Sony in the fray, which is not an American company, along with OTT majors like Netflix and Amazon, which are American, and all of whom are faced off against Reliance, who is combining its entertainment assets with its rapidly expanding telecom infrastructure to gain, well, to put it mildly, a foothold or a firm foothold in the market. How regional fast-moving consumer goods products are gaining once again over the big ones. Nirma, a washing powder named after entrepreneur Karsan Bhai Patel's daughter, was in the 90s and 2000s seen as a symbol of determined Indian resistance to multinational brands, notably Hindustan Lever and Procter & Gamble. While Nirma has survived, it has the same girl on the cover wearing a frock. A tribute to Karsan Bhai's daughter, many other brands folded up or folded in. Take the case of Quality, a prominent ice cream brand that sold to Hindustan Lever, as did Kisan, the jam. Karsan Bhai's daughter Nirma incidentally died in a car accident and he named the washing powder after her. Fast forward. In more recent years, a common GST or goods and services tax also has meant a more unified national market, which has made it easier for larger companies to push their brands more seamlessly and ensure that their advertising and marketing effort is also viewed and experienced seamlessly. A crop of old and new entrepreneurs are now beginning to battle the big giants again, fighting pitched battles from their home turfs, quite literally, with new and highly localized products which consumers seem to be welcoming as opposed to the more standardized national brands. 
Like I mentioned, some of the brands are indeed old and have been around but have revved up for this round of battle. And they're joined by newer ones, including many direct-to-commerce brands who have now also gone offline. Both HUL and ITC said in recent investor presentations after their second quarter results that regional brands are gaining momentum, according to a Business Standard newspaper report. To me, the admission itself is surprising, if not shocking. HUL said in T, for example, that regional brands grew 1.4x times, while in detergents, regional brands gained six times faster. For some levers managers, I'm guessing this must be a deja vu if the same people are still around. HUL or Hindustan Unilever CEO Rohit Java said in a post-earnings conference call last week where his company had really lost shares was in the space where they were encountering local players which have just increased in terms of numbers. ITC has said that local brands in noodles, biscuits, snacks and soaps were putting pressure on them. Business Standard quotes Kantar World Panel, a consumer insights company, saying that even in areas like female hygiene, including sanitary napkins, tampons and among others, small brands have increased from 22 to 26 percent. Interestingly, one example it quoted in the food space is a company called Balaji Jippy Noodles, which offered a 70 gram pack of noodles at a price of 10 rupees and a more daisy version of Maggie with more masala. Now, Maggie may not be too far behind in pricing, but the local appropriation is something I'm pretty sure it's not finding it that easy to do. I googled Balaji, by the way, and found that it was started as Balaji Wafers and Sandwich as a canteen in a cinema hall and a girls' school in Rajkot in Gujarat in 1976. We will hear more about Balaji shortly. So I reached out to Dairishil Patil, the Kolhapur-based president of the All India Consumer Products Distributors Federation, which represents some 400,000 distributors and stockists across the country. And I began by asking him why or how, in his view, regional brands were gaining so much traction right now. This was a phenomenon which has started pre-COVID. COVID has just suppressed the entire, call it as a, the growth of this such kind of products. So it has been seen since past and since ages because companies which are big now were small at some point of time. Detergents, that is the non-food part, was picking up. For example, if I would like to quote, you can say Ghadi Detergent or Fena or Sargam are such kind of companies which were very small in size at their beginning. But now they have become, you can't say it national, but at least a regional brand with the quantity of sales they are having. Same goes with masalas. There are only one or two national players in masala like Tata Sampanna or Everest Masala. But there are thousands of companies which are regionals by taste are there in, in numerous numbers. The third major part is that the tea market. In tea also we have numerous people all regional local level brands, teas like Rungta Tea or there are n number of brands which are locally been produced. Tea like Society, Society is not even a national brand but still has a huge volume. The incidents happened just yesterday of Vag Bakri Chai. It's also a very big brand. So yes, there are smaller companies which are gaining lot of momentum on the national players. So, if I can dive down a little bit, Darishil, so the examples that you quoted, Society and Vag Bhakti, and it was indeed unfortunate to hear about the demise of the director. These are brands that have still been around. And for example, I have Society T and I like it, and it's a Western region brand. But 
in many other cases, they were brands which were essentially maybe pushed to the corner because of GST, you know, because bigger companies and bigger brands could, you know, really spread their product across the country and obviously therefore use their marketing and advertising muscle to ensure that consumers came to them. So that was the theory. And it did happen at least in the 2000s and into maybe the 2010s as well. Has that changed or is there any other subtle shifts that you've seen that is causing newer brands to come up? I mean, apart from the Bakris and societies, because they are much older in any case. Yes. See, the new entrepreneurship has been developing very fast. People are trying to bring in more effective and more research-based products. The recent example you can find is of Mama Earth. Mama Earth is not a very big brand, but it has gained a lot of momentum. And brands in cosmetics also, there are n number of brands, but you can name it our Sugar Cosmetics, which is also a recent brand which came up. So this entire thing is coming because of the fuel which has been put in by the policies into a new entrepreneurships. And there are few categories which you can name which are mostly regional, like dairy. Then comes up bakery. Third one is masala, tea. Then comes detergent. And then the last one is beauty cosmetics. So in these categories, like bakeries, you have n number of numerous bakeries in each area. So the segments lead where taste is concerned. So the masala, in around 500 kilometers radius, you'll find n number of the most of the masala companies which there are because every 200 to 300 kilometers the taste changes same goes with the biscuit same goes with the food products there is also a competition and to noodles there's balaji chickpea noodles which is just coming up then salted snacks salted snacks also you have numerous competitors balaji itself is also an western brand then you go into an eastern country there is a different brand so these are all the segments where regional players are having a good connect with the local market itself. And the consumer are preferring this. One is price sensitiveness. Yes, the price sensitiveness is there. Second is acceptability is there because of the taste. You won't find food products done in coconut oil in north. You'll require the sesame oil food products to be fried into north. The same case, soybean oil is used somewhere. So this is all basically linked to the taste buds of the particular location. But you're saying, uh, uh, Derishil, that uh, consumer tastes in, let's say, the last 5 to 10 years have become more sharp and focused as compared to earlier. And entrepreneurs, uh, including uh, companies like GP, which of course is an older company, are able to tune in much better than, let's say, the bigger multinationals are doing. Yes, because it is blended locally. The entire thing is blended with the local ingredients, local demand, keeping the entire local population into the mind. Right. And you're saying that from a consumer standpoint, uh, or even let's say your distributors and stockists, I mean, they are clearly willing to take a chance and maybe give prominence to a local product as opposed to, let's say, a Maggie or whatever, which might be a national product. Yes. See, that depends purely upon the economics of the product. See, most of these local products carry a margin base of 10 to 15% at the initial rate. And with a good product, the product starts selling. So it's not required for every product to have a television advertisement. 
there are n and numerous of products. Have you seen ever a Balaji ka vapors advertisement anywhere? You have not seen it. But it is ranked in the 2000 crores of Prish turnover. So there is no advertisement for Rungta tea. There is no advertisement for a, a dairy product company like Milky Mist. You have not seen any advertisement. But Milky Mist is making a huge, huge turnover into South. Where Amuls of the country are not able to break their monopoly. Like Govardhan. Govardhan is there. You have not seen an advertisement. So these people when have started niche market because they are small. They want to grab this market and hence they offer a better margin than whatever these levers and nestles of the world are doing. And what was the difference between the kind of margins offered according in your understanding? The margin are fairly double than what the larger companies are offering. Like if lever is offering 5%, most of the soap companies which are entering is offering 10%, maybe more 15%. And that's a good entry point. And you're saying that even today, many of those brands are holding at those kind of margins? Yes. A lot of them are holding at those kind of margins. If 10%, they are at least holding 7 to 8%, which is fair enough for the distributor. And even for the retailer trade, they are also holding a margin which is more upper than 15 to 20%. Their sales might be lower. All put together, the bucket of the entire multinationals. But still, people are preferring to sell these products. Just the reason behind it is margin. And yes, they have an off-tech. Devishil, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you very much. Incidentally, Darishil was referring to the accidental demise of Parag Desai, part of the founding family and director of the 2000 crore rupee Ahmedabad headquartered Vag Bakri Tea Group, a popular tea brand. Vag Bakri was founded in 1892 and has passed through several generations at this point. Sales of smartphones are falling sharply. There are some 900 million mobile phone users in India, of which about 275 million are feature phone users or phones that are not smartphones and the balance 626, that's million by the way, are smartphone users. Now, sales numbers of smartphones in recent years are quite interesting. Sales peaked around 167 million in 2021, owing largely to a pent-up demand that's post-pandemic. But since then, they've been falling. This year, smartphone sales are unlikely to cross 145 million, give or take, according to CounterPoint research. While smartphone sales are falling, the market for used phones is rising, with used phones now making up about 20% of the smartphone market, as compared to about 15% or less before the pandemic. One reason for this is clearly affordability, inflationary pressures on incomes, and of course, phones that are lasting longer. And finally, some consumers, if not many, waiting for 5G, which we will come to shortly. So why are smartphone sales falling at a time you would think they're rising and what could change there? To understand this, I reached out to Tarun Pathak, research director at technology research company CounterPoint Research and began by asking him why smartphone sales were falling. I think a couple of reasons for that. So if you look at 21, that was like peak because of post-pandemic, pent-up demand, and everyone like rushed to buy phones. But in 2022, we were at some kind of oversupply situation. The consumers, whoever wanted to buy a phone, they bought in 2021. And then we had this macroeconomic inflation. These kind of things start settling in. Smartphones became expensive in 2022 after 2021. And then that was the time when consumers thought, okay, we will hold on to our purchases. We will defer our smartphone purchase 
by a couple of quarters. And that is where things started slowing down a bit. And in 2023, we thought, okay, things might become even better than 2022, but that didn't happen. First half of 2023, the market went down again with a couple of reasons because inflation was higher and you didn't have like a lot of new products that were coming. Another big assumption here is everyone thought, okay, 5G coming into picture, the transition from 4G to 5G will happen very quickly. That didn't happen because obviously 5G is taking time to reach pan-India level. But the prices of the 5G smartphones below 10,000 rupees it still has not reached in a big way. You have a couple of models that are less than 10,000 rupees. Less than 10,000 rupees market is almost like 30% of the overall smartphone market. So consumers want to buy a 5G phone, but they still do not have a cheaper 5G phone. And that's why they want to delay the purchase. Right. So I'll come to the substitution part. But you're saying that consumers are aware. I mean, the broader mass of consumers are aware of 5G as a target or as a product or as a service they should be wanting. Yes. Even in our consumer survey, 5G as a desired feature is at the number one. Everyone wants to buy a 5G phone because they want to future-proof their devices. You use your smartphone these days almost like for three years. So if someone is buying a phone in 2023 that is going to last until 2025 or 2026, they'll go for something which is like 5G enabled. Right. On the other hand, people are increasingly buying refurbished, hand-me-down and sold-as-is phones. So tell us about that and how that's eating into this share. Very interesting. So if you look at the share of these secondary devices we call used phones, it used to contribute to like 10 to 15% of the new sales before pandemic. Right now, the share has gone up to almost 20%. And there are a couple of reasons behind it. One is now... People are trading in more phones. Those were from the mid-tier. Earlier, the phones were drawed. People were not comfortable to the idea of selling their device because it has huge amount of personal data. So that awareness is now coming and you're getting a better trade-in, better value on your device. And the consumers now, these days, they want to buy high-end phones, which means they will do as many ways go for as many ways that will reduce the upfront value of the device. So these days, people are going out, they're saying, okay, I'll trade in my device. And these trading in devices then goes to the secondary market because it's a simple math. The more trading device you have, the more availability you have, the more secondary market it will be. And hence, these trading devices are finding their ways into the secondary refurbish and be down and the sold as is market. Right. So just to look at the numbers overall, we have about 850 million with phones, that is smartphones, and that includes 250 million feature phones. And 250 million feature phones are obviously, as companies like Geo also have been saying, are a target audience. Yeah, Even Airtel has been saying, I think, to migrate them to a lot of cheaper 5G phones, among other. So I just want to get a sense again, you did mention the under 10,000 or the sub 10,000 category. How does the affordability work in the overall smartphone space at this point? Again, for operators like Geo, I think their main point is not about the device, it's the technology from 2G to 4G or 5G, it's better. 
because Jio doesn't serve the 2G legacy network. So for them, obviously, their interest is these 250-odd feature phone, which is bulk of your 2G, they should migrate to 4G. Now, either they should migrate to 4G through a 4G feature phone, which they have just launched, Jio Bharat, or they buy a smartphone. And now the issue is a lot of these users who are left, now feature phone users, they are not finding smartphones as a natural interface on which they can work. So, for example, touchscreen, the repair, the pricing, everything. So, either they are looking for devices which are like GeoBarat or they are looking for, if they have to save money, they go for a secondary device, which is a second-hand phone. And that is where I think the second-hand phones are getting popular because even in terms of availability, like less than 1% of the entire smartphone sales are less than 5k so you do not have a lot of new good devices in less than 5k and that opens up an opportunity for the other ones so just to get a sense of affordability so if you were to take top-end phones like apple iphone 15 or samsung s24 what would the percentage be or their total numbers be against this 850 million that you talked about so we call them as a premium market Whatever is 30K, the install base of premium market, you can see it's still like 5% of the overall market in India. It's still very, very less in India. So that's what we are looking at right now. But going forward, this is the segment that is growing very fast. The overall smartphone is declining, but this segment is growing by almost like 27%. People are buying more high-end phones. People are buying phones through, like I said, trading in or buying on EMIs and all. So yes, this category is growing fast. And how are you seeing growth given all of this, the fact that people are trading in more, there is inflationary pressure, incomes are hit in some segments of the economy at least. Given all of this, how are you seeing growth for the rest of the year or next year? This year, again, we'll end up at like 145, a slight decline of 2-3%. But next year, we are thinking that market will come back to growth. And there are a couple of reasons behind it. One is obviously your 5G will diffuse towards the lower price tiers. So you'll have a market that will open up a big time. You have almost like 500 million 4G installed base that will actually move on to 5G. So you'll have that pool that is coming. The other thing is elections and everything. If there is a stable government at the center, things are getting more better economically. You have more jobs coming in. Our manufacturing sector is doing really well. And I'm sure if the geopolitical and the global scenario becomes better, people will have more disposable income at hand, right? So the overall economy will grow. And hence, we think whenever you have disposable income at your hand, one of the key things consumers do is they go and buy something that is very important to them. And phone is a very, very important. It's, it's a reflection of yourself. So that's the first item people spend a lot. People are spending almost like five to six hours on their phone daily. So it has become a necessity for them. So they're going to spend a lot on that. Right, Darun, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's it from me. Have a great day and the Sarah, which is also a bank and markets holiday today, though we will be there tomorrow at the same time at 6 a.m. Subscribe to get notified. This was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. 
You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you, including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.